Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug Books back here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I know I am a broken record 100 episodes into this podcast, but I'm so excited for this guest. This guy I have been following online for quite some time, and I'm even more excited because I guess I can call him local because he's in the state of Iowa. Um, And I know for a lot of people who uh, don't live in the Midwest, when we say Iowa, it often gets confused with Idaho. It gets confused with potatoes, and everyone assumes we're on a farm with John Deere hats on, and there's so much more to our state. And that's what this whole conversation is about, how great Iowa is, because it's not. I'm just excited to have another Iowa here on on the show who is doing phenomenal work. And so this is definitely one of those shows that uh, while you're listening in, either on your commute or wherever, your headset or you're exercising, you're going to want to check the show notes because he's going to be sharing some photos and videos of things we'll be talking about here soon that are simply phenomenal that you need to check out. But let's dive into actually who in the world I'm talking about. So, um, Tori, why don't you jump on in, introduce yourself what it is you do and your interests and all that good stuff, and then we'll dive right into uh, all the action. Right. Hi, my name is Tori Proctor. Uh, I'm a, I've been a full-time STEM educator for Spencer Community Schools for five years now, and prior to that, I taught art for 10 years. Um, I have to say that I'm really honored to be in, invited on this podcast show. Um, Aaron's someone that I've been following in, in his work for quite a while now, and um, I like his hustle. You know, <laughs> That inspires me, and and I, and I and that pumps me up. So thank you, know, thank you for being having me on the show. Um, I guess the main reason I was invited today, I, I, one of the main reasons is um, I built an R2D2, a full scale replica, um, functional. I have a remote control for it, and um, I built another robot since then. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that and um, what I do in STEM, and also a, a makerspace that I'm part of in my Spencer, Iowa community. And some of the other things I do outside of school. Yeah, so, so yes. let's let's break down the robot first, and I, I want to make sure we have time for everything because it's, it's it's really exciting. And one of the things that I love about you is not only are you modeling the ways in which we can create and produce and and take the ideas from our heads and bring them into the real world as you work with students in the classroom and in the community, but you're also doing it yourself. Um, I'll call it a hobby on the side. Like these are things that you do because you have a genuine interest and passion in the learning and the development. And so I think it, it, it's a really important story because I think time and time again, there's so many people we talk to, or at least I talk to that, that, that love this. They, they know the importance of hands-on learning. They know the importance of design thinking and, and makerspace and all this, but they don't give enough time in their day to themselves to actually go forth and, and do the making creating themselves. And I think that there's a real powerful value in not just creating those conditions for our students, but also for ourselves to kind of continue to be that lifelong learner. So could you talk a little bit about like your process in terms of, well, maybe just starting like, why did you want to create these, these robots? And, and how did you go from this idea in your head um, to actually full production? Because 
for those you need to check these pictures like these are le- like legit like store war robot props like they are phenomenal and so um it's it, it's really an, an incredible endeavor that you've done so what's kind of your process or how did you go from this mental image to reality um it had, well first of all i'm really fortunate like my my career is my hobby it's really morphed into that and um I guess specifically talking to the robot, um, um, I know that you're, you've done a lot of like electronic projects like myself, Arduino and Raspberry Pi, Microbit, Circuit Playground. And I love learning all those little things, you know, to make me become a better educator, a better maker. Um, if, if you learn it, you can teach it is what I found out. You know, the secret formula, like I discovered seven years ago, if I learn it, and the school will let me teach it most, most of the time, you know. Right. I haven't had any administrators say no. You know, seven years ago, I was teaching a 3D printing class, um, you know, at a high school. And um, I got to teach a video game design class, and I got to teach um, a, a blender class. And, um, you know, then I just got hooked on learning and then teaching what I've learned. Um, the R2 project was kind of a – I was getting tired of doing a lot of small projects in, in my professional development, my personal professional development, like learning all these little things. I wanted to go big. I saw I was going to go visit a friend down at Kansas City, and I, I, I'd never been to the Maker Fair, and um, this was two years ago. And I looked on their website. They had a Droid Builders Club where people built R2-D2 and other robots from the Star Wars universe. And I thought to myself, it just hit me like right in the face. I want to do that. I can do that because this group has done it. And if I don't know how to do anything, I can fall back on the group. And the funny part about that is I've actually met the group down in Kansas City, and they don't really meet regularly. I thought in my mind that they would. But they said, yeah, you can call us if you have any questions. And and what I found is there's a great community online of people that have built this robot in so many different ways and so many different materials that can help you. And so um, that's kind of the where the inspiration came for me to build this is that I wanted to go big and I got tired of going lots of tiny, lots of little smalls is, is where I was at. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting you say that I, I've, I've kind of been in this, that, that muddied water space as well. Um, this summer I've been in the process of doing two things. One kind of decluttering. I've, I've, I've had a, a interesting journey of success and failures and nonprofits and here and there. Long story short, I have um, a house that looks somewhat like a hoarder clinic um, as I've had to like find places for all my stuff. And as I've been decluttering, I've been kind of uncovering a lot of my passions of kind of these half-started projects. And I've got lots of examples of just, <laughs> I, I, I call them trinkets, like these little tiny projects that I could, I can knock out here in a, in a couple hours in one day and be done. And I'm, I'm just myself preparing for a massive project. Um, I don't know that it'd be as, as, as to the scale of, of your robots, but um, I've been starting to brainstorm like this is, I think it's time for me to actually launch into a like several hundred hour type of build um, and just kind of see can I pull it off? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm quick on your heels in terms of that, that same kind of mindset of, of moving forward. And I think, you know, you hit that line, I think is, is really, really vital for anyone listening that idea. Like if you learn it, you can teach it. And I think that's something that, that transcends, um, whether you're an educator or a coach or a parent or any of those types of hats that we all wear, like we just got to get, get busy and, and do the work. And it doesn't matter where you start. You got to, you got to start somewhere, you know? And so as, as you've, 
unraveled some of these bigger projects and these various things. How have you been able then to kind of, I don't know if recycle is the right word, but take it, how do you take that learning? I'm sure you've learned a great deal through this robot process. Um, and then how, how do you apply it then with students in, in, in your classrooms and in people that you work with? How are you able to take that and then morph it into lessons of learning for others? So um, the robot, um, I have 900 students that I see at Spencer schools um, and I see within a six day cycle. And so grades, um, traditional kindergarten, kindergarten through fifth grade, I took my robot and the process and kind of the story of this is something I didn't know how to do, but um, I went down the path and, and learned as I went and, and failed many times. I took that, that, that was like the story I really wanted to, to give to my students is that, um, you know, kids sometimes have the impression or even adults that, you know, this, this person's like in art, this person's gifted and it's a magical thing. No, it was something that I worked hard on and I failed at a lot and it took a, it was a long, lengthy pro process. But um, how I shared it with my students is I did a presentation for um, all my students and then I even did a presentation for several service organizations in my community. I was invited to come present for them and I even got asked to present at a Catholic school that I'm not part of. So um, through all the presentations I've done, e even the one I did at the makerspace that I work at, um, I've already racked up 50 presentations with this robot. Mm. So that's that's one that I got to share it back is the story of how I built this from the ground up and how there's lots of avenues and options. And, you know, if this interests you, you know, this, speaking to my students and that it's, it's possible and, you know, and it's, you can build it out of different things. So that, that's one way how I shared it with my students and, and community. Yeah. So as, as you're working with students in, in, in your learning spaces and your maker space or whatever kind of spaces that you have available, I mean, you work with that many kids, I'm sure you're, you're all over the place. Um, we were talking before the call, you're, you know, in, in the job that, um, that you've had, you've, you have to bounce around to lots of buildings. Um, and so how have you been able to craft these makerspace environments to allow kids to build design it and, and explore because um you know there are people and i've i've run sessions of workshops and they're always like oh you know your ideas are so great but i don't have the space if only i had a if only i had b you know this type of thing and so you you see 900 students you see a wide range of students and you're not in one location so you have almost just about every barrier against you to be able to do this type of work. And so what have been some ideas and things that you've come up with or, or beg, borrowed, and stealed from others that have allowed you to allow kids to, to thrive in this kind of mindset and, and, and creation process? Um, yeah, the, the barriers that I have, I've, I think I've, I've learned so many new skills that I feel empowered and, um, and barriers just become a challenge. You know, go through them, around them, over them, things like that. For my students working with, with robotics, um, I mean, you don't need a fancy space for them. You know, I've done robotics in the gym when the gym area was open, and that's great. Um, I look for, like, um, you know, opportunities to explore. I've done, like, an obstacle course with Sphero and, and over time learned some fun things, fun um, obstacles you can have for the robot just basically a drive school as an exploratory um, class. Um, and then I do, I really love challenges. You know, if we can race them, that's great. If we can have them climb, you know, anytime we can be competitive, but set up the competition as 
you know, let's learn together and, and everyone raise the bar, you know, not have it be one winner and everyone a loser. Mm. Um, Lego, I mean, I know you're a big advocate of Lego education. I am too. I think they got the best mechanical engineering Lego kits um, and they're super creative. I think that's my favorite robotics things to, te- to teach because they have to build it mechanically. Um, and there's a lot of complexity with that and a lot of student choice. But um, I would have these Lego robots race and then I would show them how to gear up and add gears. Um, bigger tires will make you go faster, you know, change the code. So um, there's so many like creative things you can do with robotic education instead of just taking the curriculum that you get from whatever company is selling you the robot, um, look for opportunities to build upon that and make it um, more engaging to your students, you know? Yeah. And I think that, that I, I mean, the whole thing about Lego, one of the things that I, that I love about Lego is even if kids haven't had um, maybe a whole lot of experience at home building with Lego, like the learning curve in terms of being able to have initial successes is so quick and easy. Um, most kids naturally can just figure out how the parts work. Um, but just like you talked about in a lot of those kits and the parts, you can do such advanced work with those kits at the same time. I was actually just speaking with a, a student, a former student of mine, um, a couple months back, actually, and he's at a, a very prestigious engineering college, and his very first um, course that he had, they were using LEGO EV3 Mindstorms, and he was on one of my first LEGO League teams, and he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're actually using this in college, and he was like, the amount of stuff that, that we were doing with it, you know, he just had like this like completely like all moment of, here I am about to earn my engineering degree in, in robotic technologies. And here I am using the EV3 that I used when I was 10 years old, like, and just his mind was blown by how much we just barely scratched the surface. But, you know, at the time as a 10 year old, it was really, really challenging work that we were doing with them. And so I think those are the things we got to look for. And then those classrooms that are, especially, you know, in your case where you have a wide range of students is these, these materials that are flexible enough to, allow all kids to have success, but also challenge them at the same time. So you're not constantly trying to swap out materials every time the bell rings and you've got three minutes to transition, you know? We can talk. We probably do a whole podcast on Lego. <laughs> um, yeah, we really could. Um, cause there's, you know, it's typically one kit per two kids is how I do it. It's collaboration. It's, um, you have to be efficient. We got 50 minutes to build this on um, Bluetooth, it program it. And then after that, I always, Try to leave something open-ended to improve the challenge so they have to like even go beyond just following a um i guess a cookbook recipe they have to they have to get creative at the end there's always i always give them an additional code prod challenge or robotics challenge or competition challenge yeah just absolutely love i wish they would do um stem scale up and have lego as an offering but i do know um i guess for those listeners um our state's really great at pushing stem um, they have a governor's council that's that's helping get kits into schools, making them you know free or or affordable. And um, I wish Lego was one of those kits for definitely early elementary because that's what I specialize in. But I, I know it's it's really more it's it's expensive, you right. know, as compared to a some popsicle sticks and you know paint and glue. Um, but I just think they get so much more out of it. And um, it has so many it can be upcycled so in so many different ways or recycled. 
Yeah, I mean, we're just using it. We, we developed a six-week summer school program for some of our local school districts, and we were using the Lego We Do 2.0 kits for our, our young elementary kids and um, in this project-based learning unit that we're doing. And, you know, the upfront cost, and that's one of the conversations we had to have, is yes, it's expensive, but the, 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 the long-term expense really isn't that expensive because they last forever. The customer support yeah. is phenomenal. Um, you don't need to go. They, this is not one of those products um, where you have to go keep buying all these add-on kits to be successful. Like you literally have what you need and, and you rock and roll from there. Um, and then, you know, and in the meantime, you, you gladly accept donations from families that have kids that have grown up and gone to college and they don't know what to do with the Legos and everything else. And you can start to amass a, a pretty robust collection of parts and pieces, um, you know, without a whole lot of work in the long term, um, if you're willing to just commit some dollars up front. Uh, but that's always a challenge. I mean, money is always, a, a, I know, a tight spot for a lot of schools, but helping them see that upfront cost is actually going to save you lots of money in the long run if this is something that... Um, you're looking to strive for by bringing in robotics or computer science or some of these, these STEM alternatives into the school. Um, but yeah, getting, getting back, I can tell you getting back to the R2 um, project to some, um, I started it and um, it took 11 months to build and I had to find time. I didn't have the money to build it. So that was a design challenge. Um, so I had to, I got some money from teaching some summer camps, some STEM camps. I had to have garage sales selling stuff out of my closet um, <laughs> so that was like a fun process because that's like the first barrier someone you know you're just talking about a barrier you know some schools oh that's really expensive well um you know that's the barrier that i'm not gonna let me stop stop me i found a way to build a robot that i didn't have money for and and i think yeah i just wouldn't let that stop me for sure anything that i really want I, it's anything worth having is worth sacrificing right at, right uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I'm in the process now. I've been I've been trying to unload some some stuff in my own house. I'm trying to I want to build one of my challenges I have by the end of uh, September is I want actually want to build um, my own PC from complete scratch. And so and my son wants a, a gaming computer. And so we've been dive, diving into that realm of all different parts and pieces and compatibility. And I don't have that money. And if I were to just select a credit card for a gaming computer, I don't know. My wife would be real impressed with that. So I've been selling all sorts of things. And I think, you know, it's, but, but, but the beauty of that is there's this, this next level of ownership, right? And like we're finding ways as opposed to just constantly having these excuses, like funnel us into these, these mediocre directions. Now, as an educator, you can't go through and just start pawning off like desk and stuff to get money for what you want. But there are there are ways to go about trying to find these platforms, you know. And I know in Iowa we have to send scale up grants, and there's there's tons of other grant opportunities, um, you know. And I used to, people always ask me, well, I had I had a um, an opportunity. We had a pretty awesome like maker space at the middle school I worked at. We had two spaces actually, and people were always like, how did you get all that stuff? And I was like, man, I would write. 20 to 30 grants a year and I considered it a, a, a success if I got two of them, you know, and it's just a matter of just grinding through that process. Um, if it's something that you definitely believe in now, it's not always easy to write all those grants. Um, but it's definitely, if you, if, if you want it, there are ways to make it happen. Yeah. I, I just have to, I just wrote my first grant this year. I didn't get it, but I, like I have a vision now of like where I want to go. I didn't know I could spend $50,000 $50, on my STEM department. And I quickly find found out through the process of writing the grant 
looking at where I want to go. I'm like, I got up to 60,000. <laughs> um, so, but there's definitely like, yeah, you definitely can find partnerships, business partnerships in the community, but it helps, it helps that you come with some cloud, I guess, you know, like now that I've got a robot, there'd be like, Oh, this guy's a, a doer. You know, he makes, works with his hands. He makes, makes it happen. He materializes his, you know, wishes. And I think that would help me. It's going to open doors. I think, you know, it's part of, part of the evil plan was that if I were to compete for another STEM job and, you know, the interviewers in the pool were, were talking about what they do and, um, or what they're going to do. And I can come to the interview and show them what I've done. I would, you know, definitely have the advantage is, is my evil plan. My thought, right. You know, right. One of the reasons I built the robot. Well, I don't know that, that it's a, an evil plan, um, but I, I, I think but, I have a better better name for it yet. Yeah, but it, but I think what you've done is you're you you've crafted a story of 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 a journey, and I think that's something that you know when I work with a lot of educators who are being asked to develop a makerspace from scratch and, and, you know, they're like, how do I get stuff? I'm like, you have to be taking pictures and gathering video and documenting. You don't have to be, a, you know, where I love to blog and I blog all the time. I always joke with people. I'm like a, a social media whore. I'm always on there. Right. But like the idea here is you have to be collecting this story because people invest in stories. And if you can tell this story and show that you're making progress, just like your robot over the course of 11 months, people people see that and they understand like oh this this is the real deal like you know if, if you go into a job interview and the three candidates before are talking about what they've done and then you show up and the first thing that opens up the door is is, is a robot and then you walk in behind it that changes everything like that puts you on a whole nother level and you don't even have to speak any words at this point you know like and so that's why i always try to tell people like share your story um you know i worked with, with one particular elementary and we started off a, a maker space was literally in a closet it was like a custodian closet and i was like our goal in one year is to prove that we've outgrown the space and we do that by getting awesome learning in there, taking lots of pictures, showing that there's not enough room for kids. And naturally, when opportunities arise, we're going to be able to expand. And, and eventually, the building was up for a, a remodel project, and we were able to get the makerspace built into the blueprints for the for, for, for the new media center. And it's like, but that wouldn't have happened had we not had the story leading up to it, you know? And, and that that's just pure kudos to those teachers, but it's, it's documenting the journey, which I think is really, really important. I, I agree with you. I, that's, I do videos with my, my smartphone, and then um, I turn them into music videos. Um, I use Clips. It's an iPhone app. And then so right on the spot, when I'm done with a summer camp or it's at the end of the week, I can put together, like, the highlights. I don't want to show them everything, you know, the highlights and add some music to it, throw in a title. And I've gotten really good to doing that on the fly. So I'm also thinking, you know, if there's – grant money that I want, I can bring in the videos of students, you know, in the class doing their thing. Um, yeah, that's something I, I believe in too. Like, and I am, I'm all doing that. I do that same thing. Um, Instagram, I post like every certificate I earn, um, a lot of the highlights of pro student projects. So I can always, I can go back five years and, and show anybody they can look through my history and see the consistency of, you know, um, all the new things I've been trying and, and building upon. Yeah, now, now do you have uh, kids document their journeys in learning? Or is this, I mean, obviously you see 900 kids. That is a, just a, a, a monster and you only see them in six-day cycles. So you've got, I know there are, are, are some constraints. And one of the things that I've always tried to figure out is this balance of, 
helping kids document their journey, not so much that they have to blast it on social media, especially young kids, but this idea of let's go back and look at where you started. Cause I think sometimes kids don't even realize what they've learned. Like here's, here's where you started on day one, look where you finished, you know, and, and maybe the end product isn't this beautiful specimen, but your journey is absolutely outstanding. Like, have you found ways to do that? Or is that something that, that you're still trying to figure out with an army of kids that yeah. you see? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, ideally that's, that's a, that's an area I have room to grow in. Ideally it would be great for them to have, I guess it wouldn't have to be a paper engineering, you know, journal, but, um, you know, like a, one that they can do video on. I know there's lots of different apps and stuff, but yeah, I would, I, that would be ideal to have the kids record, and share, you know, something that they can share with their parents at home and and their friends. You know, look what look what I've been up to, but um, I don't really have that in place. Some an area for me to grow in for sure. Yeah. Now, so you've you've you just wrapped up your your second row. Now, is your, is your second robot completed, or are you still in process with that one? It is completed, and now I've got like I've, I want four. I have four more robots after this planned. <laughs> I am completely. <laughs> I'm completely hooked on this. And, and then I also have like constraints for this too. Um, every robot that I, I, I'm going to build and I'm going to keep it in the star Wars universe for now. Um, it has to have lights, um, moving parts and sound, which is just, it just makes it much more of an interesting robot. So yeah, I'm done with R2D2 and R2D2's constraints that I put on myself was that, I wanted to learn a lot of new stuff. So I used as many different materials as I could. It's not an entirely 3D printed robot. It's got wood. It's got styrene. It's got craft materials, aluminum. And it has over 120 3D printed parts and electronics and stuff like that. It even has a a scooter wheel from a kid's um, razor scooter that, that makes the dome spin. So, um, <laughs> so that, that was the challenge with this robot. My, my second robot I built, it looks like a BB-8. And for those of you that don't know who BB-8 is, it's a robot that's white and orange and is basically a ball that has a semi-sphere of a head on top. And the head always stays on top as the ball rolls through magnetism. And uh, But I made one that's a, a nurse droid. It's from a Star Wars uh, um, virtual reality game. I've never even played it, but the game is that your job is to repair these Star Wars droids in a virtual space, and you have a little helper, a little tiny nurse droid that is half the scale of a full-scale BB-8 droid. And um, someone online recently at Star Wars Celebration, which is, I guess, a, a meetup of super Star Wars fans, um, built one using an existing toy, and they kit-bashed it. So my second robot was a kit bash. I had to tear the robot apart. It was a BB-8 Spin Master Hero toy. And this toy was actually to scale of the real robot in the video game. Um, what I had to do is I had to tear it apart, the body, and then tear off the six circular panels and 3D print new panels. They have different patterns than the BB-8 robot. And then I, um, I also had to tear apart the head. And I gutted the head and took all the electronics out of the head on the BB-8. And then I 3D printed a new head for the nurse droid. And the nurse droid's head is actually much larger in proportion to, like, BB-8's head. Kind of looks like a cute baby, you know, babies with their big heads. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, like, it's a great design for a droid. And so, um, and then I also added lights to 
the body because the toy didn't have LEDs um, illuminating parts of the body. So I had to figure that out. I've never done that before. Um, so it was just lots of fun new challenges. And then I ended up painting my robot turquoise, metallic turquoise, instead of the blue that the robot is in the video game. Um, because I just I didn't want to have two robots that had the same color blue. And it's a nurse droid. I kind of thought of nurse, scrub, nurse scrubs or kind of turquoise. Some yeah, of them. yeah. And I saw it. I got the idea for turquoise from a Robbie the Robot. I think it's Lost in Space. Pop Funko had a Robbie the Robot toy that was like this glittery turquoise. And I just thought that was fun and more eye-catchy. So that's the robot I just finished. I had knee surgery this month. I had meniscus torn from um, skateboarding. I still skateboard. Um, because I'm still learning new tricks. It's, it's, it's still part of the same thing. I keep, I love, keep doing it. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, well, so that gave me time to sit in a chair with my leg up on the table and do all the masking for the painting for this robot and sit there and glue and, and figure out to stuff, all the electronics back into the 3d printed dome. So my second one is done and, um, it's real. it's, I'm excited about it. Kids always want to know like BB eight, are you going to build a BB eight or a C3PO? Well, I kind of have a BB-8 to show them. Right. It works out. It has, an, it has a demo mode, just like my R2 does, where it can move on its own, which is really cool. It gives it more, makes it more lifelike that you don't have someone standing there with a the remote. It, the remote does work on both the droids that I have, but um, it just brings another a, more magic, I guess, when you show it off. Yes, and then yeah, I've got plans to do other robots. So I'm gonna keep with the same theme. If the robot doesn't have a moving part, it's my job to add a moving part or add a light to it, and just keep going with this because it's fun and I'm learning new stuff. And um, yeah, yeah. So do you? you I mean, you talk about all those parts that you have, and do you go through and, and like sketch everything out on paper first, or you just kind of start with the frame and and just kind of work through step by step? Because there's people that. I mean, I think the beauty of it is there's there's no one right way to design or build anything, and I guess I'm I'm yeah. one. I've 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 learned I need to do more sketching and designing, um, just because it keeps the cost factor down in my own hobby kits. But I'm like one that usually goes, here's an idea, let's just dive into it and figure it out. And then usually, you know, by by, by the third startup, I kind of have it figured out. Where I'm like, if I just would have mapped this out a little bit better. Um, but I'm, I'm curious what your process is because I have not done anything in terms of that many parts and materials and, and, and logistics behind it. I, I just, like, for R2, I just went for it. Um, I joined the Droid Builders Club. It's free online. And the rules are of the Builders Club is you can't sell the robot and make profit from it. Disney and Lucasfilms has given the group permission and has also provided... And some of the droid builders access to the real props. So it's, it's too scale. They went and measured every piece on the robots. Um, but the process was, okay, let's let me start with this part and then keep adding and adding to it. Not really knowing how much it was going to cost me in the end financially. And I even ended up buying parts I didn't even use. Um, I did hear someone say, finish the head first, and then I'll give you a boost to continue to the rest of the robot. Mm. But then I've seen other other droid builders build the me- all the mechanical stuff and the electrical stuff first, and then put on the skin and then paint it last. So I kind of did everything. You can go both routes. You can kind of do the finishing parts, and then make things. So like, like my electronics was like the last two days to get the whole thing together. Um, 
there is no blueprints, like step-by-step instructions on how to build it. Um, so, but there's people that just kind of like, here's how I did it, and they share it online. And you can find three or four different ways how to do everything on this robot. So um, that was like, that was my process was just, I mean, every day I had 10 things I could work on with the robot. It wasn't like, you know, what, this is exactly what I'm going to do next. I just had to pick, okay, this is what I'm going to work on. I had all sorts of choices. In the beginning, it was nothing, but I had a hundred things to do uh, on the robot. That's kind of, that's the process with, with R2, um, getting it built. And that was a, a lot of early mornings. I got up at five to work on it. And then after my kids went to bed, sometimes, you know, some of my weekend time too, right. um, to get the robot built. And um, typically it takes, they say, six months to two years. Six months, I would be, it'd have to be someone that maybe has done it before and doesn't have kids. And maybe, you know, like, <laughs> like I have a three and a four-year-old and, and a wonderful wife. And I would say I can probably do it in six months if I had a lot of money. And um, I don't know, that would be really strange to do do such a droid so quickly. Right, right. Yeah, so someone's listening in, and I'm sure that once they see the pictures and they get a, get a sense of what it is that you've constructed, their head is is, is going to spin. Um, but you know, as, as we kind of think about this and kind of come full circle for for many of the educators that are listening in, not that they're going to they need to go build one of these robots, but as if you learn this journey and, and you work with a whole slew of kids, but they're they're feeling inspired like to go forth and, and go build or make something, like what would you suggest? whether it's a project idea or just tips or strategies like for someone to get started, because I think there's, there's so many educators um, and students that have these ideas in their head and um, due to a, a lack of confidence or belief in themselves, it never quite moves beyond that, that space between the ears. And so if, if you were working with someone that, you know, and maybe you've already seen these as you present your robot, they get really excited and, and inspired by your work and, and want to get started in, in this field. It doesn't have to be a Star Wars robot. Like, where, where do you suggest they get started or, or what, what are some tips and ideas for someone that, that's trying to figure out how to kind of dab their toe in the water for the first time? I would say, um, just, I would tell them, I had no idea when I started how to do this. Um, so I just did some Google searches and found some some great resources. There's clubs out all over the, the world. We're all connected that come together and, and will help you. They share files, 3D print files. They share some of their build instructions. But no, like I started from a place I didn't go to school to build robots. Um, I, I, you can learn it. If I can learn it, you can learn it. Um, if there's a particular robot that you're after, I think there's a, a robot building club for every different robot in the Star Wars universe and, and outside of the universe. So I would start there is Google and look up the clubs and join the clubs. And they have forums where you can ask questions. And they also have files that they can share with you, you know, like CNC files or um, 3D printing files. I guess that that's where I would start. And, um, and it doesn't have to be an expensive robot you can take found objects and make a pretty amazing robot, you know, just put in the time to, um, you know, work, work those materials. Yeah, I know. I recently just came across the community on Facebook and the whole entire thing is, um, I, I forget exactly what it's called. I'll put a link in the show notes, but I think it's like trash bits or trash something. And all it is, is, um, 
you find trash in your community and you turn them into like robotic designs or art pieces and things like that. And it is absolutely crazy what people do with just kind of collected trash, um, turning things around. There was one that I just saw yesterday that actually I, I, I'm interested in building of like this like helicopter build, just using just stuff that you could probably find just walking your dog around your neighborhood on the ground. And I was just like, this is this is a really good starting point. You could literally start to do these things for free, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and yeah. help the earth at the same time. So I think that that's really exciting. It's, 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 it's so inspiring to see people like yourself building these crazy builds, but then remembering, um, you know, we all started from somewhere, you know, just like you said, if you can do it, anyone can do it. And so we start wherever our, our point A is trying to get to our own point B. And, 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 and one day you can be building that same kind of robot as, as well. If that's, what your passion is. Um, Tori, this has been phenomenal. I want to be respectful of your time because I know you're a busy man and um, at the time of this recording, school is close to underway and all this good stuff. And so if, I'll definitely link for those listening pictures and video of these robots and all this stuff so you can have your head spin a million different uh, directions. But if people want to find you, Tori, and, and, and follow your journey as you've talked about these other robots, I'm sure many you're going to have a lot of new followers going, i got to see what this guy's up to next. Where are the best places online for them to uh, follow you and uh, learn more about you? Um, I'll provide you with the links on your website. Um, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not as active on Twitter. Twitter, I think, is more people talking. Where um, I like to – I'll still post um, – definitely highlights of my builds there once in a while but but all three of those places and then i'll even you know give an email too and if you have any questions you know definitely show you my my experience with building the robot and pass you on to some some resources too if if this is something that you're interested in awesome so um yeah, so make sure you guys check the show notes. You need to follow this guy. You need to follow these journeys. I've been following him for quite some time, and I can't tell you how many times just seeing his work has sparked an idea for myself and maybe something I'm working on or or something that I've been thinking about and just hadn't nudged myself, and then I see his work and go, okay, all right, it's time. You you can do this, big boy. Get, get your big boy pants on and let's roll. <laughs> so definitely and another amazing educator for you to add to your network of learning and uh, these people that, that, that keep you inspired to uh, keep up the charge to do what's best, not just for yourself, but also for students. So, Tori, as always, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the conversation, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing these uh, next four robots. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate this. Absolutely.